Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Cato, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Paris. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder. Zach, I thought uh, we're recording this podcast on Wednesday, November 9th. Uh, I thought yesterday was just a normal day until I saw that the REM Facebook page, which is still active mm. despite them having retired because they have a lot of back albums to sell, uh, posted a photo of Mike Mills in a beautiful blue shirt and blue tinted mm. sunglasses with the caption, Georgia Blue, which Georgia made me realize it was election day. <laughs> That's what will do it to you. I, I do think if I could take a slight tangent here, Matt, uh, which I know is not our usual form. <laughs> I feel like if a band retires, the whole, like, not not just the individuals in the band have to retire, the whole operation has to retire. Yeah, the whole thing shut right? down. The band yeah. incorporated has to retire, which means, you know, no, that, that if you want Facebook updates, it has to be from retired band members doing that, <laughs> not employees. I mean, he does look retired. He has uh, just white, white hair. Uh, just, Wow. They're getting older. I guess that I guess it was time to retire. But Mike Mills, voting, Mike Mills. We don't we don't know who he voted for, but uh, <laughs> Georgia Blue was the caption. Yeah, he does love Herschel Walker. Everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> Herschel guy. Uh, yeah, Matt. Turned out it was election day, which is weird. It is it is it is weird, Matt, uh, to live in a state like Colorado, which has a uh, vote by mail for everybody. Uh, mm. that election day is a big day, but it, it is different uh, because, you know, I had voted a week or two before the day itself. So, you, so, you, so there's a little less like enthusiasm, but more uh, accessibility for people to vote. For sure. Yeah. Um, it's probably an equal, probably a worthy trade-off. Yeah. California, they we do mail our ballots uh, to us, uh, but then there are drop boxes everywhere. So really what it means is Oh man, I gotta fill out that ballot, which we did the night before, and then I dropped them off in the Dropbox. Love my Dropbox, wanna, love it. Don't shame you, Matt. I turned mine in the week, a week before election day. Good, uh, good job, good job. Because I thought that that was election day. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, gotta get this thing turned in. <laughs> and then Hannah's like, "Well, I mean, we do have an extra week, but we can do it today." Okay, good. Any uh, interesting? I mean. Speaking of Georgia, so we have a colleague on the ballot. We're still waiting on those results. Looks like it's going to go to a runoff. I kept refreshing to see if he gets 50%, but doesn't look like that's going to happen. CNN, reliable news organization CNN, has called it for a runoff, Matt. For yeah. Our dear friend and colleague, former guest on the podcast, one of those episodes that never quite <laughs> made it to air, uh, Raphael Warnock. Raphael Warnock, I, I have uh, heard him preach in person twice. Uh, in my life before he ran for senator and uh yeah i mean he's basically a colleague so we're rooting for our uh well no, we just we're we're watching to see since we need to be nonpartisan, i guess yeah i guess so yeah happens. yeah we have to report <laughs> the uh patreon subscribers as uh political donations i think if uh right yeah yeah and yeah. that would be a huge headache with all that cash with it we are deeply grateful uh, for and uh, does pay for the podcast by the way for the people who do get but <laughs> Uh, anything interesting happen in uh, Colorado? Um, well, 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 Matt, perhaps the most interesting um, 
Colorado has had a reputation over my time uh, in the state of being a purple state. Like it was a very purpley state. If you recall, in 2008, the Democratic National Convention was held uh, in Denver. They moved it to the stadium because that's when like the the hopiness of Obama was like reaching like uh, high tide. And they filled up mm-hmm. the 70, 72,000 seat stadium uh, for that. And that was all part of the play to help, you know, this is a swing state. We got to get it. Uh, and then in 2012, I lived here in 2012, Barack Obama made multiple trips um, to Boulder. Uh, not to be partisan here, but the Republican candidates typically don't make trips to Boulder because it's not like they don't make trips to Berkeley. Uh, but uh, a sign of his uh, concern hoping to, to, to keep Colorado blue, uh, as Mike Mills might say. Uh, but then 2016, uh, Hillary, no visits to Boulder. And then in 2020, but Joe Biden, no visits to Boulder. Uh, because we're definitively pretty blue uh, these days, Matt. We had a Senate race and a governor race, and neither one was particularly close, despite what the TV ads uh, inundated us with. So uh, decisive victories for... Uh, for our statewide candidates, actually all three, we had secretary of state as well, which, you know, in these days in which we're hoping Pretty to ensure important. democracy continues, uh, the n- not so publicly insane person, uh, one who happened to be a Democrat. So it was a sweep with the top three offices across the state level in convincing fashion. So, uh, yeah, it is a, it's a blue state, the Senate, the house, state houses are all, you know, almost two thirds, if not more, uh, blue these days. So that's kind of the big takeaway. The other, um, there were two house, uh, contests in the state that were of interest nationally. They created a new district, Colorado eighth. That currently is a toss up. Hasn't winner has not been declared. But the surprising one is out on the Western slope, uh, a nationally known, uh, house representative, Lauren Boebert, uh, currently trails by several thousand votes to, uh, to a Democratic challenger who was not expected to be able to compete due to the, how the district was drawn. And um, so that's a surprise. Had not been called yet, but um, those two House districts, very interesting. Yeah, that's super, super interesting. Well, California, uh, interesting, interesting place. I think, I think we're pretty blue. I think seems seems that way. Governor won handily. Governor won handily. Uh, Alex Padilla, our senator. Even when he goes senator. to the French uh, laundry. Yeah, even when he goes to French laundry. Uh, we don't know who our mayor in LA is going to be yet. Um, <clears throat> Chris Pratt did come out in support of Rick Caruso. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Chris. Uh, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how that one shakes out. Um, propositions uh, pretty much passed as we expected them to pass in our blue state. We rejected gambling pretty handily, which seemed a little bit surprising to me, but I'm uh, surprised by that. Yeah. I thought the most interesting thing uh, is that if the house flips the, the um, we're going to go from a California speaker to another California speaker, which is kind of a uh, <laughs> interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. And My it will be friend for your, Right, we'll be looking for your insights. Exactly. Yeah, remember, uh, you'll have to come at the in and out many times. I'm sure. Yeah, you'll have to go back and listen to one of our first pod Bless Americas that we did with Peter Sefferson, where we did like a whole episode on that photo of Kevin McCarthy at the in and out I used to go to. In uh, <clears throat> I don't think it was in Bakersfield. I think it was the one in Santa Clarita, the one like you stop at. It's your last chance for for calories before you get to uh, 
before you get into the valley. <sighs> oh, Matt. Uh, I do got some updates for our faithful listeners, Matt. I'm sure you've listened uh, to the uh, uh, Pod Bless America episode that dropped on our feed with Peter Severson because you were interested in the state ballot initiatives of Colorado, right? I was, yeah. Fascinated. <clears throat> well, uh, we need to update you folks. Uh, according to the results that are in currently, Proposition FF, which uh, Lutheran Advocacy Ministry uh, supported in Colorado, and I supported personally, I'll say, because we get to get political on propositions. Uh, it's healthy meals for all public school students, and it was just a, a proposition, not an amendment, to continue doing free lunch for all students in public schools. Uh, currently leading uh, 55 to 45 so that uh, that looks good, and that was a recommendation that Lutheran Advocacy Ministry made. Um, so we're excited to see that happen. Proposition GG, which was another uh, proposition that Peter Severson and the folks at Lutheran Advocacy Ministry supported, uh, giving voters more information about proposed tax changes, uh, was uh, also well. It's it seems certain to pass seventy one percent to twenty nine. Uh, and what that proposition does, Matt, just to refresh your memory, because I know you listened, was that uh, whenever because we'd like to put tax changes, like people who, uh, I mean, people who don't want anybody to pay tax, like to uh, make people vote on taxes, right? In Colorado, we have Tabor, which is the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, which is passed in the early 90s, so taxes can't be raised without a full like vote of the people. Uh, so that's great and makes it easy to govern. Uh, but Proposition GG will require like a table for how this However, any proposition that changes taxes will affect folks based on their income categories and not just a flat rate or number, right? So mm. currently it says, would you like to raise taxes by 0.2% or $1.3 trillion, right? Like, so it's just nonsensical <laughs> numbers that you have no idea how it affects you. And if you get, if most people get a, have to choose between whether they're going to raise one point whatever billion dollars, they're going to vote no on it because they don't know how it affects them. Whereas... Uh, with this passing going forward, there'll be a table that says, if you make $50,000 a year, here's how you'll be affected. Um, wow. So it'll actually give you informed, uh, good one, right? I like that one. It seems useful. Yeah. And people supported it. So great. Two for two for Lutheran Advocacy Ministry Colorado. Unfortunately, Matt, uh, they took a they took a stance on four of them. And on number three, Proposition 121, which was just a straight up tax uh, income cut, state tax income cut. Or, nope, state income tax cut. There we go, man. Uh, because Colorado is a Steve Forbes state, man. We have a flat tax. Uh, mm-hmm. Steve Forbes unsuccessful at uh, presidential candidacy, but successful in influencing Colorado's state tax. Uh, it's a regressive way to tax folks. And uh, if you get enough money or, uh, yeah, if you get enough money, you can put it on the ballot and just say, uh, do you want to cut taxes by one uh, from 4.55% to 4.4%? And uh, guess what? People vote in favor of tax cuts. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, people making yeah. less than $40,000 a year will save $37. Uh, and uh, people making much more than that will save a lot more money than that. So uh, sadly, it appears wow. certain to pass 65% of the vote. And last but not least, Matt, because... It's our, uh, my favorite one, uh, relevant to last week, Prop 123, uh, which uh, was set to dedicate tax revenue to affordable housing, which 
as we talked about, if you just set aside some money in the federal, in the state government, you'll solve all your tax affordable tax uh, mm-hmm. housing issues. Uh, it passed, or it appears to pass. It was also too close to call at 11 p.m. with 51 percent of the vote. So, uh, Lutheran Advocacy Ministry supported that ballot initiative, and still too close to call, but uh, could seems likely. I don't know. It's leading, whatever that means. So there you go. It looks like maybe three or four for Lutheran Advocacy Ministry. So Peter, you get a C on your efforts this year. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the update. I should have done a, a report card for the LOPPCA. Uh, <laughs> public policy. Uh, I don't... I feel yeah. like, Matt, like I don't want to be the Lutheran Advocacy Ministry person. I'm not coming for Peter Severson's job, but um, love Peter. Uh, but as you spell out the acronym for the uh, Lutheran P Public Policy Office, they could use some L-P-P. marketing help. Man. They need marketing <laughs> help, and I think they should work with us as contractors to get the word out. Because I think with my help, with, with our help, Matt, because I've done things like Red X, if you recall, uh, my Golden true. State Warriors-inspired logo for our 75th anniversary that turned out not to be our 75th anniversary. Um, you know, marketing's an important tool, and I think uh, with our help, with the Vinyl Preacher Marketing Services, um, our boutique uh, uh, agency, we could really push Lutherans over the top. <laughs> so hopefully you're listening, uh, Lutheran Advocacy. Ministries. I'm certain. Certain people. The, the other, uh, the other thing you can do is what they did in Washington State, which is to uh, join together with the inner, with all the other faith-based advocacy organizations that are generally progressive and have one big fan, the Faith Action Network, uh, <laughs> which you know, just another way, either marketing or building coalitions. Either one. Uh, marketing. I work. Marketing's way to go. <laughs> Sounds yeah, let's see. Uh, so, uh, LOPP California looks like Amendment 1, which is uh, protecting the right to have an abortion. Looks like that's going to pass. Uh, opposing gambling, both of those look like they're going to fail. So that's... Uh, Were you surprised? I was kind of surprised to hear that, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was surprised uh, as well. This one was interesting to me. St- funding of arts and music education. What do you think okay. the uh, Lutheran Office of Public Policy would position would be on that? Should we fund I, arts and music education? I would assume they'd say yes. No, no position. No position. Oh, <laughs> because, uh, and it looks like they don't want to legislate through propositions. Mm. They don't want to do the budget process through propositions. So no position. I mean, that would be my uh, biggest issue with being a Lutheran advocacy director in a state <laughs> like where they have them because I yeah, feel yeah. like they're most likely in places where you get a million initiatives and stuff on the ballot is that my general distaste for direct democracy and that sort of like thing mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, I could be pushed towards that as an answer to just about anything. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely get, we have concerns about, um, but I definitely voted for that. <laughs> statute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Dialysis clinic regulation. This comes up every year in California, dialysis regulation. And every year you get terrifying ads saying, I'm going to oh, die God. if you vote for this. And it's just insane. But it keeps coming up like over and over. Uh, <laughs> they oppose it. It looks like that is going to fail because those terrifying ads. Um, I don't know about these other ones. Let's see. 30 increases in taxes for clean energy and air funding, which the Lutheran Office of Public Policy opposed. 
<laughs> so confused. Uh, partly for the, the same reason as the other one, but also they don't think it's going to make that much of a difference to fund electric vehicles. I don't know. It's very, it's a strange position, huh. but we'll see. And uh, retain the ban on the, the sale of flavored tobacco products. And yes, we did uh, post that. So let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think at least five out of seven. <laughs> Are we right? Five or six out of seven? Mm. I can't do math, but it's a pretty good record. Uh, Peter is a coward, uh, and he refused to take a position on Proposition 122, access to natural psychedelic substances. Um <laughs> Which, as of uh, our recording time, is still neck and neck, according to Colorado Public Radio's uh, reporting. Too close to call. Neck and neck. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I do remember, like, I we, I flew to Colorado the day after Election Day in 2012 for a <laughs> first call theological education. Gosh. And y'all just passed that marijuana bill and a proposition. It was like, oh, yeah, okay. So Colorado leading the way. Leading the way. We were, we do like to, <clears throat> for our listeners, I know we have a lot of listeners in the Northwest, uh, Colorado was the first state officially to legalize recreational marijuana, even though Washington did it on the same day because our polls closed an hour earlier. And we did wow. go to sale, like the sales started before they started in Washington. So, so uh, you know, there's always, as a North Carolinian, there's always controversy around uh, our license plates in North Carolina. I say first in flight because the Wright brothers flew their plane at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. And the, the depraved people of Ohio have so little to be excited about that they produce a license plate called first in aviation, uh, which is <laughs> because, yes, they built the airplane in Dayton, but then they got the F out of there to go to Kitty Hawk. Um <laughs> That's just, uh, wow. So one day there's going to be a Colorado license plate that says first in wheat. And it's going to, there's going to be a, <laughs> some controversy with Washington. Wow. I thought it was just going to be first in flight and it was just a different, but. They also wow. produce called first in, uh, I think it's first in democracy. No. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Which I thought like when I first saw it, um, we'll look it up here. Uh, I thought it was going to be something like that would make me sick to my stomach. Um, or first in freedom is what it says. Oh, uh, because, uh, there's like, it's the Mecklenburg, uh, man, which I was better at vamping and Google searching. Uh, <laughs> My favorite license plate, uh, slogan remains the district of Columbia, which still says taxation without representation, just yeah. trolls the rest of the country. Just is... a pretty bold thing to put on your license plate. <laughs> It's still just astonishing, you know. Like, it is astonishing it's that nice. we do that. Like it's, <laughs> and that everybody knows it, right? Like they like right. that's a very effective license plate, right? Like, right. you know, I don't think we're normal here, Matt. Like I think we're in terms of knowing state license plates, we're probably like on the uh, the upper end of the bell curve here, right? But like, when you see a DC license plate, you're not like, I wonder what that's about. You're like, oh yeah, mm. oh yeah. That's right. <laughs> also, how can we go? Oh my gosh! I mean, I understand how, but it's insane that we went through like like several 150 years of like, oh, you want to be a state? You're a state. You're a state. You're a state. You're a state. Right? <laughs> Which is then we like, and they were like, no, never gonna do that again. That would change the political balance of things. 450 is just such a nice round number. It is. It seems preordained. Just... Like, uh, 
nothing without Providence. Well, and adding states, like it's always been controversial. Like, yes, we, I don't, I mean, I don't know, mid 1950s with uh, Alaska and Hawaii, but obviously in the 1850s, like that was a huge deal. Every time we added a state, it was a massive battle over what it means. So it's always yeah. been that way. I don't know why, but I don't know why we don't figure out the deals and move forward. So I've got your answer. First in freedom, it's a slogan referring to the action of an assembly of representatives in colonial North Carolina that adopted a non-importation agreement on the 2nd of November, 1769. Uh, it took measures for preserving the true and essential interest of the province. It was in line with the sentiments of many of the other colonies, which were resisting measures like the Stamp Act. So uh, I think it was the first like public, you know, throwing off of the shackles of Mother England. Wow. Well, coming full circle to throwing off the shackles of Mother England. <laughs> That's what the... Let's talk about Christ the King. Yeah. Everybody loves a good monarch. The crown. You know, Matt, That's, like, uh... so we talked about it last year, and we probably have talked about it every year for six to seven years, however long we've been doing this. And uh, you can hear the story about Matt getting in trouble in preaching class, but... Uh... Your critique, Matt, less effective than ever this year. Your critique usually being like, it's out of touch. Like, who cares about monarchies? This is a monarchy year, Matt. We got a king. The king is back, baby. Um, <laughs> the king is back. God save the queen, they say now. Uh, they changed the words to the song, which is kind of crazy, too, that they have to change the words. Yeah. Uh, but people are talking about kings, so what a better week to really embrace your uh, your inner <laughs> English tabloid. Writer person. Indeed. What a better time. Well, this year, year C, um, we've got Jeremiah 23, 1 to 6. Uh-oh, I think we're going to have a mini pod on this one. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds. Nice, nice, nice. Concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people, it is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. Snap. Then I, I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them. And I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Word of God, word of life. Matt, it may be time. It's not a very extended episode here. This is more about the shepherds, I think, than the sheep. So uh, another episode of our favorite podcast. Let's talk about the sheep. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot to add here. But I did recently watch uh, a television show that was about sheep breeding man <clears throat> uh fun fact that's not gonna help you preach is uh so you have a bunch of ewes female sheep right and you throw some uh rams in there with them and uh you know they take care of the fertilization process but you want to be strategic about it so you want to know which um which uh um, which of the rams mated with which you 
right? Which can be kind of hard because sheep all look the same. I don't want to be racist towards sheep, but it's true. Okay. They get that furry fluffy hair and they pretty much look the same, right? So what they do is they like, they paint the bellies of the rams, right? Uh, with a color that like rubs off really easily. And so when they uh, uh, fertilize the eggs, uh, it leaves that paint color on the top of the females. So they're able to keep track of who that female what? made. There what? You go. Wow. Thanks for that uh, tidbit. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I should preach. Maybe that's probably a good preaching image. Is that Children's right? sermon, right? Children's sermon. Got it. Okay, good. Good, good, good. I mean, the sheep here is setting up your British monarch kind of thing, right? Because, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like that's the thing about Wales, as we look to next week. Uh, Wales is known because it has more sheep than people in it. Love really? the sheep up there. Yeah. I did not know that. It's a pretty good reading, though. I mean, I like that. Like, it, that was a genuine reaction there. Um, <laughs> you've not attended to your flock, so I will attend to you. Because uh, you expect it to be like, well, I'm going to take care of the sheep. That is not what hardcore Jeremiah says here. I will attend to you. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a hardcore accountability text. Lots of right? accountability going on here. Um, one of the things that strikes me this year, like I'm going through Mana and Mercy again, because uh, we have a confirmation class again. We're using Mana and Mercy, and I'm remembering how much I love it. And one of the things it's reminded yeah. me of is how like. Kings were not preordained from the beginning of creation. Like for a while, yeah. Israel didn't have kings. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just the way of judges, you know, they had these other systems of government and they were like, finally they were like, no, 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 we want to be like everybody else. We want a king. And God's like, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. No, 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 we really want a king. All right, fine. We'll, we'll work with you. And so it's this kind of reluctant move into this monarchical image Um that then I guess we're gonna we're gonna stick with for a while. So God's like, okay, if that's what you want, we'll work with that image. Um, but that's I don't know. It's a little different than how we usually how we can sometimes think about kingliness as this um, eternal concept. Mm-hmm. But then God does use it. God like steps inside of it and is like, all right, uh, if this is what you want to be, I'm gonna hold you accountable to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The. Um... Yeah, maybe that is, and it makes it a little more accessible as well. Um, I had a strange thing happen to me this past week, Matt. Uh, students asked me a sincere question about the history of the Protestant Reformation, and they wanted to know the answer, which, you know, that never happens. So, um, and we had a lot of time. And so we went back to the, we got into explaining the Roman emperor, Empire and Emperor, right, in the history of the Roman Empire. And, you know, it's always like a big shocker to most folks, right, that the Roman Empire during the 1500s was not in like Rome <laughs> or Italy, right? And in explaining that 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 there was this, like, the Pope was really powerful, but the Pope didn't have an army, so the Pope needed to acquire an army. Uh, <laughs> and so there's kind of a tit for tat in that Charles V becomes the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire because the Pope has the ability to grant that status to him. And so the exchange, right, is the Pope now has an army that so he can contend more in the geopolitical stuff of Europe. Um, and there was some confusion over why, why didn't, why wouldn't Charles, or their questions around why wouldn't Charles V just say he is? Why does he need the Pope to like, why does he got to deal with the Pope on this, right? Um, and it's this idea that, that um, you know, for not all of human history, but for a big chunk of it, the idea was that kings rule by divine right, right? That God has 
chosen them to be the leaders. And so mm-hmm. he needed that. Right. And they had like real faith in that, like, not just like, you know, they could, they couldn't take religious stuff out of things the way that we're able to, to segment and, and pull things apart. Um, and so he needed that um, in order to rule. And so like, that can sound really silly and is really silly to like modern ears. Right. That like in, you know, Henry the eighth, exposes that for what it is right like that he's like actually no i don't need to go through you the pope to get to god to confirm my divine uh, right to rule the archbishop of canterbury is right here and he says i'm good mm-hmm. so uh yeah. he's pr- under threat of death um and so it uh you know exposes like how silly it can be um but like you said right god sometimes god at other points in the history of the people of the world uh has said okay oh, yeah, that's not a great way to do it but fine if that's what you want like i'll I'll work with kings. Um, it's maybe not so silly as well. Yeah, I wonder if there's a connection here to um, to Christian Christian nationalism. Yep, I'm going to bring up the cliche. But uh, Bishop Dave Nagler, our new bishop down in Pacifica Synod, posted this lengthy uh, Facebook post yesterday about Christian nationalism that I thought was pretty good, and he talked about um, you know the marriage of church to empire uh, with Constantine and how this is not how things originally were this is not how christianity originally was um and i wonder if there's a similar move here where it's like we we don't necessarily want to be married to this idea of i mean there is a kind of like like uh religious nationalism here in jeremiah right like there is there is Mm -hmm. this this strand in the old testament and then there's another strand but one of the strands is this kind of like religious nationalism um, but maybe we can decouple that and say, no, no, like this is not an eternal concept. This is a concept that God worked with for a time, um, but is not eternal. Um, and I think when we move to the gospel, we'll see that a little bit more. But when God steps into that role of kingship, God is not going to step into it in the same way that like we step into kingship. I think, and I think like that continues to be my main issue <laughs> as I continue to wrestle with my original sin of preaching. And maybe, maybe my angle into it this year is, is this, that like, if we want to work with Christ, the King, we can do that. But I don't think we should be making that image of kingship, this, the same image of kingship, even if we're putting Christ in that throne instead of, um, you know, King Charles, like if we're using all the same trappings of the same kind of chair and the same gold plated everything, we're still in the same problem. And so we've got to rethink the whole idea of what that looks like. Um, Shepherd gets us there too. I think Shepherd gives us some interesting ways into that as well. Um, and then she's going to give us a completely different way, but I think we've got to explode. Even if we're going to use kingship, we're going to crawl. She's God's going to crawl inside of it and then dismantle it from the inside out <laughs> rather than God's just going to sit in the same throne that King Charles was sitting in. Like that doesn't, I don't think that works. So I, I think that gets us back to uh, what is <clears throat> I think the essence of Christ the King Sunday, which is this like weird, like unexpected juxtaposition-y mystery sort of thing, right? Because in, in Jeremiah's role, the reading from Jeremiah in, the, in terms of like the readings of the day is you get this like really metal God here, right? Like I'm going to tend to you. And then mm-hmm. we're going to get to this gospel reading uh, that is, <laughs> that doesn't seem to be what's happened. Like it's, that's not what I expect to if they are complementing yeah. and lead into one another, um, Jesus dying on the cross is not what I expect to see at the end of this, at the mm-hmm. end of the Jeremiah. Like that, I, those are pretty dis- disconnected images. 
Yeah, that's what the attending looks like. That feels less than satisfying. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> that is way less satisfying. Uh, but Luke, 23, man. When they came to the place that was called The Skull, you're like, all right, metal. Yep, this is your uh, finish uh, death metal reading. Uh, they crucified Jesus there. Unexpected twist. Uh, you would expect them uh, to be crucifying the bad shepherds, the bad kings. They crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching Jesus on the cross. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was an inscription above him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The other rebuked him, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Yeah, I'm latching on here to the, the Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Uh, and kind of inserting that into, I will intend to you for your evil deeds, says the Lord. And then Jesus said, actually, like, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Um, is not like the expected role that you would have Jesus to take in that Jeremiah reading. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I wonder, like, um, so one of the things, I wasn't going to talk about this, Zach. Why are you going to bring up? One of the things that uh, now Bishop Satterley had said uh, all those many years ago was yeah. that uh, Christ the King Sunday rises at a time when people are scared, right? A time mm. when people are scared. Uh, and I think, like, it's if you're Jeremiah, like, okay, God's going to attend to those evildoers. Okay, like that sounds comforting. Sounds like God's coming. God's going to make things right. Then you get to Luke and it's like, so how's this comforting? Like what 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 is this image of kingship? How how is this image of kingship comforting? Um I think that might be a question to wrestle with if you want to preach on this. I like it. I'm just checking. No, I am preaching on this. No, I'm not. It's the 20th. Okay. I mean the move I've the move uh, the move I've made elsewhere is Jesus in the trenches with us, right? So Jesus is Jesus is suffering on the cross, uh, along with all those who suffer on the cross. But again, I don't know that that even gets us all the way there. I think it gets us part of the way there, but I think there's one more move, and I'm not sure what that move is. But I think that's the I think that's the question. I think you know, I don't know. I, I feel an urge to try to explain things generally but also like to explain christ the king sunday because there's so much going on and there are ideas to be that can be like teased out and stuff but i wonder if at the end of the liturgical year um if the end of the fulfillment of the reign of god if you're going to change up the name for the day um if it might be better to try to land this with an easter empty tomb kind of deal um and to just make it more of an immersive experience with the mystery um, <laughs> that it should be a disorienting thing. Uh, 
to experience that. Like this is, it's not what it's, ex- you know, like I think that strikes us as preachers first, right? This is not what I expected the reign of Christ to be. Hmm. Um, and then we can have this impulse to explain how it, how the, how it actually is what it's supposed to be. Or we can take that disorientation and just lean into it um, and go more of a mystery route than a, explain <clears throat> things Rob. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that's good. Um, and then, yeah, to gesture to some of that empty tomb stuff. I mean, it is like, even though this is very metal, it's at the place called the skull, you're on the cross. The last word of the Pergapi is paradise. It doesn't right. give you a whole lot of details about what that looks like, but it's interesting that that's like the last word. It's almost like a little first rays of sunshine and then curtains down. <laughs> yeah. But it's there. It's something to gesture to. Um, so, yeah, there's... And there's a media... Like, I mean, it's that's part of like the, the, how dis, disoriented it is. Today, today you will be with me in paradise. Not... Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Just keep waiting. Uh, yeah. The paradise is here already yeah yeah and here in the midst of of suffering and and loss like this this is a moment when jesus loses if we're talking about elections yeah it's not been a, it's not been a good night uh the results are in not a not a good night but even even the loss after after two years of COVID. i mean just to lean into to grief in this time too and to talk about loss and then the moment of loss um that there's something there's something going on there that speaks to the end of all things. I mean, last Sunday of the church year um, to speak to how God shows up in the midst of when the when election night doesn't go well. Um, and, and then to end with that last word of paradise, I think there's, there's some interesting stuff to do there again on the last end of the church year. What better time to preach at Easter? <laughs> you know, if they can go ahead and do uh, Christmas stuff, you can go ahead and do Easter. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know what? I'm not even, not only am I not opposed to Christmas music in November, uh, we're going all the way to Easter. All right. We're going to, we're going to bring out the Easter decorations. Uh, that's that's how far we're going. We're going to overshoot the runway even farther. Hey, if you and your church do an Easter egg hunt on Christ the King Sunday, send us pictures. You'll be a guest on the podcast. We'll talk to you about what it was like on your last week of the job. Uh, it'll be great. <laughs> our annual Christ the King Easter egg hunt. It's going to be great. Matt, I do have uh, some good news this week. Uh, uh, This episode is a sponsored episode, Matt. It's brought to you by the new revised standard version, updated edition of the Bible, or as folks like to call it, NRSVU. It's also uh, a television show produced by Dick Wolf, NRSVU, that you can find on NBC and USA and will be airing reruns for all of eternity. So be sure to check it out. You can also stream it on Peacock, NSVRU, uh, Christian Intent. <laughs> Produced well by Dick Wolf. Well done. Thank you. Well done, Thank sir. You. That's, yeah. Is there a good, I would like to read like a good uh, rundown of the NRSVU. What's, uh, what are the major changes? What do we, what's the overview here? I'm not going to sit down and read the whole thing cover to cover and get a sense of it. It's too big. Give me, somebody <laughs> just give me a good, like 30 minute podcast yeah. reviewing. What are the major changes? What is this not all about? Us. That's for sure. Yeah. Or if you know someone who's aware of it, we only know about it to Adam who texted <laughs> me us about it. 
Uh, also, shout out to our friend Adam. We do apologize. Uh, evidently, in that last week, Matt, we gave Adam some word count insecurity. Uh, but but I want to say, like, word count is different for everybody, uh, and it's not it's not a one to one. You don't need to judge yourself. Uh, word count is just a quantitative measure of a manuscript. It's not a qualitative measure <laughs> of your preaching or your status as a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sadly, never went off on anybody about their word count. That's... No. Just a subtle <laughs> accusation for being pro-fascist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> what are we listening good. to? Well, good. Uh, Matt, you let into it. I feel like you cheated ahead to my uh, playlist there when you said the curtain drops and there's like little rays of sunshine coming. Because... Um, <laughs> I uh, I guess I got a theme this week for my songs, Matt. Uh, the band of spouse was back in North Carolina this week because my father-in-law, Michael Collins, uh, retired his last sermon, as he talked about it. Uh, he had to write his last sermon. Never will he preach again. I'm going to hold him to that. He said it was his last sermon. Uh, <clears throat> the night before, the family in town, they went to what they called the Last Supper. Uh, so like R.E.M., I expect him to be retired. No more uh, professional posts on Facebook, please. Um that said, uh, very musical guy. We've talked about him on the podcast before. We talked about that time that he got on stage with Elton John and danced with him. And uh, Elton John took away his cane because he had like a broken leg or, or what have you. And Elton just stole that cane. Uh, so I'm doing uh, a Michael Collins inspired uh, list of songs here to for Christ the King Sunday. And so we're going to play that discordant one, right? The happiest um, or just really hopeful Beatles song uh, that I think fits just like you said, Matt, right at the end of this reading, which will... Uh, make it the back end of your gospel acclamation here. Here comes the sun. Also, that opening guitar riff, Matt, is an excellent riff for folks to, uh, beginning guitar players uh, to learn. Here comes the sun. Do-do-do-do. By the Beatles, number one. Uh, second, uh, Carry On by CSNY, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Uh, I think that's the good news here, right? This is joyful carrying on. Uh, we hope for... Um, finality for certainty here uh, but we just get driven deeper into the, the mystery uh, to joyfully carry on carry on and finally sir elton uh what better better week to put uh, a member of the royal aristocracy on the playlist um i'm still standing right because you could say that at the end of it which should also be discordant and i think the, t- the, the tone for this week is discordance Classic, classic Elton Zune. He's playing his uh, some farewell shows at Dodger Stadium this month. His last ever show is uh, gonna be or will has been in Denver already. Wow. Which I don't believe because it has that very like again bands retiring kind of thing. This is the last show <laughs> from Elton ever in this particular stadium in Denver. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh, well, from someone who hopefully hasn't played their last show ever, Florence and the Machine song called, she's got a song called The King on her latest album. So I'm going to put that one on there. Gotta love Florence. I started Coachella once, but, uh, I think she had broken her leg. She was singing from a stool. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty great. Uh, Mount Joy with Sheep, cause you need a sheep song. Wow. And, uh, <sighs> finally, any excuse I have. <laughs> Any excuse I have to put Phil Collins on the playlist, uh, I will do it. So another day in paradise.
I like it, man. Great pod. Wait up for us to recap. I mean, I don't think our listeners need to go anywhere else for their political coverage as long as they're only interested in a handful of propositions in California and Colorado. Uh, we got you covered. And as long as you don't want to find out about it for about a week after the day. You're welcome, dear listeners. It's been real. Real vinyl.